Hey friends, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the second lie, which is directed at us personally, and it is, we are not good enough. And so, Nathan, I was wondering if you could tell us a story or an example of when maybe you have heard that lie. So as I was thinking about this podcast, it, it, a memory came back, and um, this would happen often when I was mowing the lawn in my childhood home. And, and I remember it happening, strangely enough, on the riding lawnmower. And I'm going around in circles and circles and just kind of seeing the same thing over and over. And I felt the attack of the enemy often on the riding lawnmower about God doesn't love you or God doesn't keep you or God doesn't hold you. And it was this idea of I wasn't good enough to be loved or I wasn't good enough or had done the right things for God to really want me. And, and the funny thing about this lie is I knew I was securely in the hands of God. I knew God would never leave me or forsake me. But the enemy was coming at my relationship with God in such a way where he wanted me to think I wasn't good enough. And when eventually he couldn't defeat me in that aspect of my relationship with God, he kept telling me the same lie over and over to steal my joy. Mm. So he couldn't remove me from God's hands. He couldn't take me away from God because God was always there for me. But he tried to steal the joy. Nathan, even though God has you, he's not satisfied with you. He's not pleased with you. You're still not good enough. And so riding around in circles on this this riding lawnmower, weeks after weeks, I was just being bombarded with this this lie of I was not good enough. And I really had to wrestle through that. Now, I know that that was something that happened in my childhood, but I also know that, that as adults, we hear the same type of lie. Yeah. Is there a situation or story that you would like to share where you have heard the enemy come at you and say, Nina, you're not good enough? As I was thinking about that, I really think that he likes to come at me with raising and especially homeschooling our kids of, you're not good enough to do that. You're not good enough to teach them what they need to know so that they can be successful adults in this world. I think that I I, I often have to reject the lie that Satan's yeah. trying to throw at me and remember that, you know, I'm the, I'm a child of God and that what I'm trying to impart to our kids is so much more important than anything this world could impart to them. Mm -hmm. And so I have to battle, you know, those those thoughts and those lies fairly frequently. I, I mean, not all the time, but I think that's the lie, though, that he, he repeatedly likes to put into me. And that makes me sometimes feel anxious when I think about uh, the future of our kids, which yeah. I know they're in his hands. He holds and them. Yeah. I don't have to worry about that, but that's that's the lie that I feel like I get attacked with. Hey, friends, welcome to the Encourage Inspire podcast. My name is Nina. And I am Nathan, and we are talking about lie number two, this idea that you're not good enough or we're not good enough. As Nina mentioned just a little bit earlier, every person's you're not good enough lie is individual and focused on something in your life that you struggle with most. We're going to talk about this to really unpack the idea that that it's not our goodness that makes the difference, but it's really God's goodness and His good work in our life that really matters. And uh, just talk about some ways that we can maybe prepare ourselves when the enemy comes and tries to attack us. 
Our passion is building faithful families. Thank you for walking alongside us as we share stories and talk about the lessons we are learning. Mina, we we both shared a story about how the enemy has tried to attack us and and come at us with the you're not good enough lie. The way I see this lie is it's you're not good enough fill in the blank for each individual person. You were talking about how it seems like these lies are very focused and very intentionally attacking us in our insecurities. Why, Why do you feel that way? I think that Satan wants to make us uh, feel lower than what we are or how God has made us. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're made in God's image and he's given us special gifts and talents that he does want us to use for God's kingdom. But because we are human and we, we do have a fallen nature, that means that we're going to have insecurities just naturally. And those insecurities are going to be different for each person. So that struggle between the spirit and the flesh, we each have our own fleshly tendencies, I guess. Is that what I'm I'm hearing you say? Yeah, and I think that, you know, since Satan studies us, he knows our, our patterns and those kind of things because he can't read our minds. So he, he watches our moves. He knows where we fall and what we struggle with. And so that's where he's going to come in and, and attack. And, and I think a part of that watching us and knowing where we struggle and fall is he hears what we say. Yes. And if him not personally, you know, we're talking about an army mm-hmm. that the enemy has has gathered in the same way that God has a victorious heavenly host. The enemy also has angels or fallen angels that are a part of this army. So as they're watching us, as they're hearing what we say, they see the pattern. And so there's things I've said probably in the last week or two where the enemy's like, yep, go for that. And things you've said. And as we look at our home filled with our wonderful kiddos, we see that there's enough people that they all struggle with something different and they verbalize it very specifically. Right. So yeah. it's really not hard to see maybe what everybody's filling the blank. I'm not good enough because blank, blank, blank. Right. You, you can see what people probably struggle with in the way they act and the way they speak. What are some of those fill in the blanks? Somebody came up to us and said, you know what? Sometimes we just struggle with feeling like we're able to do anything for the kingdom. So if I were to fill in that blank, I'm not good enough to be used by God. That That's one of those fill in the blanks. Have you heard stories from other people or do you have any personal experiences with, with some of the other answers that we could fill in the blank? I think that um, maybe a lie that Satan likes to use with many different people is that they, they're not good enough to be right with God. That it almost like there has to be a work that needs to be done for them. They, they, have, they, to they have to do yes. to be right with God. You know, where God says, Hey, I declare you righteous and you are mine. So. Yeah. If, if you're thinking that, that faith in Jesus Christ is a personal human work, you're always going to believe that lie because it's true. There's nothing that we can do as individuals to be right with God, but the sufficiency of the work of Christ in our lives Mm -hmm. makes us right with him. You know, another one that, you know, like I was expressing earlier, I I realized at a point that Satan couldn't take me from God, but he could steal my joy. So it's, it could be something like, I'm not good enough to feel happiness or I'm not good enough to be loved. Mm Mm-hmm. Or have friends or... Oh, that's a big one as we <laughs> as we think about, you know, our teenagers working through those in, interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough for, you know, just fill in the blank. 
Yeah. Everybody has a different answer on that one. Right. So the funny thing about this lie to me, and we've already alluded to it, is if we're talking about how good we need to be to be right with God, it's true. That isn't a lie. We're not good enough to be right with God. Yeah, exactly. Now, if we think about after we've come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I'm not saying we don't strive for excellence. I'm not saying that we don't do our best to honor and glorify God. But I think it's very important that we reach a point where we realize that it's really not us doing the heavy lifting hard work. It's really God working in our lives. We have to reach a point where we go, God is the one at work. And, and once we reach that place, I think we, we get to let go of some of the burden that we feel in our flesh and some of the burden that we feel as the enemy's attacking us personally. And even though we let that go, that doesn't mean that it's not going to reoccur later and that we have to go back and kind of start that process over again. 100%. Some, some of our, our early childhood tendencies are still the tendencies that we struggle with today. Yeah. But it is a, it's a constant ongoing surrender to God yes, and, letting, and, and saying, God, be my forever boss. Be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the one doing the work. Now we're we're gonna we're gonna go through a lot of scripture today, and we're gonna sit in Philippians and read a lot of verses. Yes, but let's let's start off with a, a couple of verses, two or three verses that really resonates with this idea that that God is the one doing the work. Let's just read the first verse, and then we'll kind of talk about what's going on. So Philippians one six says. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I really like this idea of God has began a good work in our lives, and he will bring it to completion. Yes, it's it's his work all the way through. I hate to say this, but we all know this. Um, as a husband, I kind of start projects sometime and... <laughs> You know, sometimes it takes a little longer than I would like or you would like or maybe even the kids would like as some of the mm. projects start to overwhelm me. Mm-hmm. And there's another project or another thing to fix, but but God's not overwhelmed. Yeah. And he, he's able to complete everything that he has started. And so mm. in the life of every believer, he has started that good work. He will finish that good work. Mm. And that's such an encouragement. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> hey, let's check out that second verse now. So Philippians two thirteen through 14 says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. I think this just kind of adds a little more validation to the first one, right? Right. God starts the work. It's interesting, though, it talks about to will and to work. It's like when I think of the will, I think of not just the things I'm doing, but the Maybe the, what's the best way to describe motivation this? Motivation behind it? Yeah, or? the motivation or or the intentionality of it. That, that God's not just doing things through me, but almost as if he's changing me as he's doing these things in and through me. But it's for his good pleasure. Like, he takes delight in doing this. <laughs> he, he's, I, he's not grumpy about it. Like, <laughs> I, you know, the things I get grumpy about. Right. Right? I love that. He, he is taking pleasure. He's excited he, he looks at it and smiles. And I wonder if it's kind of like in creation where he finished his work mm. and he says it is good. Yeah. And he's looking at us as he's doing things in us and he just smiles and goes, that is good. How many times has God really been cheering us on? And maybe we didn't realize it. He's like, good job, child. 
Yeah, it's like I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for doing that for me, for my sake, you know. And so, I mean, just like a an earthly father or mother who is cheering on their their kids, and when they do something that is just really inspirational or just encouraging, and you're like, I'm proud of you for doing that. I, I feel like that's that's what he's like. But sometimes we don't think of him mm. that way because we're we're in the grumbling and mm. the discontented side of, you know, I, I look at things I'm doing and I can only see the the challenges and the obstacles. Mm-hmm. There have been times in my life where I'm looking at God's kingdom and I'm like, God, I think I need to do this for your kingdom. And I just get overwhelmed by it. Yeah, I feel like I'm not enough. And, and every time that I feel that way, I'm, I'm losing the perspective that God is the one in charge and that God is is graciously and lovingly doing work in and through me. Mm. We're going to read another verse, and we're trying to stress this point heavily because, friend, if, if you think that, that you can white-knuckle, that you can try just a little bit harder, that you can be just a little bit better, and if you're doing all of that within your own strength— mm. You will fail and fall and fail and fall over and over. And every time. Every time. We can, we can only accomplish so much in our own strength. Mm. But when we find contentment and sufficiency in the work that God is doing in and through us, I think we find that joy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Philippians 4.13 says... A famous verse. Oh, yeah. Very famous. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I think we need to throw a little caution. I do too. This to me is one of those verses that that kind of reminds me of, if you ask anything in my name, well, there's this idea that when you're asking something in the name of of God Almighty, you're actually trying to ask for things that line up with His will Mm -hmm. and purpose for our life. Yes. So if I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me, and I'm like, I can make a billion dollars through Christ Jesus who strengthens me, I think I think we need to understand that He is going to do the work that matches with His holy will. Mm-hmm. And we need to be seeking that. Like, yeah. what is that? What is the work He wants to do? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but where are those areas that He wants to strengthen me in that, that matches with His will? And I think that in Christ, you know, we find our strength in Christ, but we find our perspective and our motivation and our clarity mm-hmm. of what we need to be doing when we're seeking Christ. Mm-hmm. So we know that God's doing the good work. We know that he's active in the work that he's doing in us. I think two things we need to bring up is, is we can't neglect how the Holy Spirit participates in this work, and we can't neglect how God's written word is as much needed as we do the kingdom work that God has called each of us to do. I think we always have to go back to truth and and let that penetrate our hearts, change our hearts, and transform us. I think we've said this in in our in our previous podcast when we started the lies episode, but that we have to combat lies with truth. That that's yeah. the only way we can do it. Yeah, hundred percent. So let's move on to another category of conversation related to the work that God is doing in our lives. What we have personally found and what we see in Scripture is that when somebody's motivation for the work falls away from God, when their their eyes are no lo- longer looking towards what God wants and desires, they start to look towards the flesh, worldly desires that really impacts us as we're trying to labor for God. 
So let's check out a verse in Philippians because we're, we're just staying in Philippians today. Yes. Let's check out another verse and uh, talk about how our earthly motivation, our human desires impact the work that we're trying to do for the Lord. Okay, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So this one's interesting to me because I'm doing something, I'm laboring, I'm thinking about myself, but I'm claiming I'm doing it for God. So already my mindset is off. Mm -hmm. Already my heart is misaligned. So when my motivation is for Nathan's honor, Nathan's glory, even if my motivation was for our family's honor, our family's glory, Mm. when I get off mark of seeking Jesus to guide me, the Holy Spirit to lead me, the lie comes in and it it is so easy to deceive me. Yeah. So I'm off the mark. The lie comes in and goes, you're not good enough. Well, a part of that is really true because I'm off the mark. Mm. Like I'm not seeking Christ. I'm seeking my own selfish motivation. Mm. It also reminds me how how what God is asking us to do, it's for the benefit of others, Mm. not just for ourselves. Yeah. We also have the world bombarding us with with lies that kind of correspond with that, like you deserve – this you deserve mm. to be happy you deserve whatever it is but that doesn't always line up with what god is is wanting for us and so our our motivation is off again when we're we're seeking what the world says is success or whatever that might look like it's it's someone else feeding a lie that really is from the enemy right but he's using the world's voice to speak that lie to us and then and, and then we're very susceptible to believing it because we hear it so often mm. we think Oh, well, that's true. I do deserve that. Yeah. And we say, I deserve that. And then at the same time, we feel like we don't deserve it. <laughs> you know, it's it's two lies that are intended to create mm, conflict uh, conflict within our hearts. Where, where God says, when you labor, when you, when you strive for excellence for my kingdom, seek first me right. in my kingdom, And then all these things will be added to you, but also think about the people around you who I'm inviting into my kingdom. Mm. But when we, when we focus on self, we we become God. We try to take the place of God. And when I said we become God, we become little gods, idols in and of ourself Mm -hmm. without thinking of, of the one true living God and what he deserves and the honor he deserves. And then we stop looking around and seeing others. I also think like in Hebrews, it talks about, you know, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and and finisher of our faith. And and that's kind of the idea that we've been talking about in Philippians as well, is that when we lose sight and we we start focusing on ourself or motivation that other people are telling us is success or whatever it is, then we're off the mark again. Mm -hmm. And and we've lost our focus and our eyes aren't on, on Jesus who who completes that work in us. Hmm. So far, we've talked about how God is doing a work in us. You know, in that second section, we're really talking about focusing ourselves on God and, and the people that He's asking us to look towards. Are, are we focusing on ourselves, which is idol worship? Mm-hmm. You know, it, and say we do have the right alignment. Say we are looking to mm-hmm. God. Say we are thinking about other people. I want to be completely transparent 
doing kingdom work, doing God's work is hard and challenging. Yeah. And so the, the, the tendency to grumble, the tendency to complain, the tendency to want to give up, it's there. Yeah. We've been burnt out before doing ministry. We've heard stories of other people being burned out. It's hard. It's hard work, but he he's the he's our motivator though to keep going, no matter how hard, you know, um it it gets, you know, it there's another scripture and I can't think of where it's at right now, but it um it talks about how, you know, don't give up on on doing good and and not just doing good, but doing kingdom work good. Hmm. Hey, let's let's read through a couple more verses, I think, you know, from Philippians. Imagine that. <laughs> Th- this one's gonna sound a little odd. But we're going to talk about it. We're thinking about in this next section, what what's the kind of attitude God wants of us as we're doing this work? Right. We're still in Philippians. It's chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. To count all things as loss is really hard uh, for me personally. I think it's really hard for most of our listeners, and and I'm thinking of this in context of a Western world, mm. where like you said earlier, every commercial, and we're, we're hitting a, right after Christmas, right. right? Every commercial says, you deserve this. Every, Even in stories, like Hollywood movies. Everything's saying you deserve it. You need more, you need better, you need the best. And as Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, he's saying, count everything as loss. Like as, as, as if it's gone, as if you don't have it. Because when you compare that to what Jesus is and what he can be in our lives when we're focused on him, it's like rubbish. Things that things on earth, most things aren't, they, well, they won't. They won't last except for our spiritual eternity. Yeah. That's what lasts. And so but that's you, what God wants us to focus on is our hearts mm-hmm. and, and drawing closer to him and doing things uh, for his kingdom work. So do you think it's safe to say, that, that a call out for all of us, uh, you and me, and, and for those who are listening, that as we're thinking about laboring for the kingdom, the right motivation, the right attitude is to be thinking of the inter- the eternal yeah, and, and not the earthly. It's hard to do because you, you think about so many things on earth that, that do need to be done that needs to take place on earth. And, and not so that we, they're bad things. Yeah. I mean, but we just, sometimes we just lose focus mm-hmm. of the eternal things that that the things that matter that will that will go into eternity with us, you know, not the things of the earth that's going to be destroyed. I like the part in Philippians at the end of verse eight. It says, "In order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own." And that's so beautiful that that when I gain Christ, when I'm found in Him, it's not my works any longer. It's his works, his righteousness, the life he gives. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. So again, friends, it's it's this idea, it's this comparison of you have the temporal, earthly, you have the eternal, spiritual. Mm-hmm. When it really comes down to it, as we're laboring for the kingdom, we labor for the spiritual, eternal, God-centered, Jesus-focused things. Yeah. Let's move on to chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's so many commands in these little, <laughs> few little verses, right? Right. Um, what are some that stand out to you? Don't be anxious, which is so hard for us to, to do. We get worried about so many little things and big things. So it says, don't be anxious, but but in everything, you know, go to God, be in prayer about it hmm. rather than being anxious about it. Because he's the one that can actually help. The other thing that um, that I like in that is that he's asking us to make our requests known to him, but that he will give us a peace. And this peace doesn't make earthly sense. You know, like you can have circumstances going on in your life that maybe seem chaotic or not what you want. But God can give you a peace that mm. e- that goes beyond what is able to be understood in that moment, because He's working all things out for His, you know, His purpose, His good, and um, and for our good actually. And so, and that's what guards our hearts mm. and our mind. The very beginning, rejoice in the Lord yeah. always. Yeah. When uh, and we've talked about this. When I'm misaligned, when I'm not thinking about the one who's in control. When I'm seeking other idols, false idols, even if I'm if I'm looking internally to myself to to be the the primary focus or object, I really can't rejoice in that because I know I'm not the right focus. Mm. I can't find true joy in that. I shouldn't guard my heart in that. Mm. But but when we find God and we place our eyes on Him and we we seek Him with our our bodies, minds, hearts, and souls, we can really find, we can really rejoice because we have real joy. Yeah. And we have that real peace that you just talked about. Right. And, and what amazes me, what just like drives me nuts sometimes is how quickly, again, my heart is pulled towards the earthly and the fragile and the, f- you know, just, just everything I'm not supposed to be looking at, <laughs> you know, but, but God is saying, look at me. As you labor for me, you know, rejoice and, and don't be anxious. I, I love that. I love that being a father of teenage girls. Mm. I love that being a, a you know, a, a mature version of myself when I was so anxious as a child. Mm. That as I seek the Lord, I get to have this joy. I don't have to be constantly worrying. Mm. And uh, that, that He's going to complete this good work in me. Yeah, that's exciting that He's doing that in us. Past, present, and future. Right. And uh, we get to we get to someday see the completion of the it completion all. of it all. Yeah. Hey, let's read uh, another verse about this idea of of how our attitude needs to be, how our focus needs to be when we're doing God's good work. All right. So this is still in chapter four, but verses eleven through thirteen. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul is saying that he's had this wide swath of experience in life. Mm-hmm. If we look at Paul's life, he he's had high highs and he's had low lows. Right, yeah. He's had plenty He's had nothing. He's been healthy. He's been 
beaten and shipwrecked and imprisoned. Mm-hmm. And he looks at all of it and goes, this is, this is just kind of what was meant to be. I've, I've learned to find contentment in all of it. Right. Now, I prefer <laughs> to say, I, I'm going to be content in the good times. Mm. But even if I think about our marriage vows, the marriage vow wasn't love your wife with all of your heart when things are good. Mm-hmm. But it reminded us of we, we, we are there for each other. We are committed to each other in all circumstances. And, and if that applies to our lives, what does that mean for us as the bride of Christ? Mm-hmm. That as Jesus looks on us as his bride, he will love us through all of these scenarios and situations and circumstances. And we can find contentment in each and every one of those. Yeah. You know, I think that no matter what happens to us on this earth, whether we are in plenty or in need, the Lord is still wanting us to look towards Him, and He wants He wants to fill whatever that, that hole is in, in our heart. You know, it's like, okay, look to me, because I'm going to fill it for you, no matter what your circumstances, good, bad, chaotic, suffering— but I'm, I'm going to be there with you and and go through it with you. Nina, a lot of times when the enemy comes with this lie about you're not good enough is in these low times that we're talking mm, about. Yeah. You know, when, when we have plenty, he can kind of make us think that we're the object, right? But, but when we're in a low time, he doesn't only want to make us not focus on the Lord, but he wants to make it seem like the Lord's not looking upon us. Yeah. Or we can become envious of other people and they, you know, their highs. Mm. Um, or, yeah, or we can just feel like God's not with us. We have been through enough valleys in our life mm. and, and walked through enough difficult situations to know that even though no matter how we felt in the moment, God was still present. Yeah. God was still doing a good work. He He was working through that that completion process Mm -hmm. as we experience the difficulties we are very susceptible to the lie Mm -hmm. and and the enemy comes hard at us and is vicious with us i just want to give a reminder that that if you're experiencing something low right now it doesn't mean that god doesn't love you it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that god is far from you right you might be surprised how close he is to you in this moment and, and the wonderful things he wants to do in your life. It might not end up the way you expected it to. Yeah, definitely. But We've he has seen good that things. happen in our lives <laughs> so time and time again. Yeah, but he has good things planned. Mm-hmm. Nina, we just talked about these low times, these valleys, parts of life we really don't want to experience, but we all experience. Right. I think there's a, an aspect of life where we need to be reminded of endurance, mm-hmm. that as we face these challenges, we need to think of pressing on. Yeah. Can you read the next verse in Philippians about the posture we need to take as we consider the importance of endurance in our life? Philippians three, twelve through 14. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I love the the imagery in these verses, the the idea of pressing on, Mm. the idea of pressing towards the goal. 
forgetting the past and just thinking of the prize in front of us. There's this idea of endurance and this movement moving forward, not becoming stagnant, mm-hmm. not not stopping or even moving backwards, but this pressing. Sometimes with our kiddos, we, we need to remind them that they press into and they they work themselves into the challenges. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes in those challenges is where you find growth. Because when you're when you're pressed, you learn if you have endurance. You learn if you have perseverance. You learn if everything that you've been trying to accomplish is going to work or if it's going to fail and fall apart. You often will feel like giving up. I mean, the, yes. those are the times you, you, you're you just like, oh. you can't see the future, so you don't see how that growth can really help by, by pressing on and enduring through that. Have I told you the story about how uh, cows and how buffalo experience storms? I don't know. You'll have to remind me. Okay. There's this idea that in the plains, when a storm is coming off of the mountains, if you have a herd of cows and you have a herd of buffalo, they respond differently when they see the storm coming. If you see a storm and you're a cow, what you start to do is you start to turn in the opposite direction of the storm and you start moving away from it. Hmm. What tends to happen is you just kind of prolong the amount of time that you're in the storm. It's hitting you in the back, but it's still hitting you, and it's still pelting you, and it's still impacting you. Mm. And you prolong that experience if you're a cow. (laughs) A buffalo treats the storm a little differently. It interacts with it differently. Instead of running away from the storm, the buffalo charges into the storm. Now, it's going to hurt. Because you're going to get like directly pegged and pelted in the face, right? Yeah. But the amount of time that you experience the storm as a buffalo is significantly less because you're moving into the storm through the storm where the cow mm. runs away from the storm and stays in the storm longer. That story's not in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of makes me wonder sometimes if what God actually wants for us to do is is to face adversity. Mm. And experience hardship for a moment, but indeed it's for a moment where maybe some of the times where we feel like we're just being pulled through the mud and just being raked over the coals, it's a result of how we are not responding to the adversity and the way Mm. God would ask us to, to face it head on versus trying to run away from it. Now, having said that, there are times in scripture where godly men and women move away from the challenge or the persecution, and, and that's acceptable. Right. But there are some times where it seems like Maybe we can learn in the storm mm. instead of trying to to flee the storm. Mm. And lean on lean on God through it all. He's going to direct us. So like if if we're supposed to run away from persecution or, or face it head on, however that looks like, He's going to help us make that decision if we if we look to Him and ask Him for help in that. Yeah. So that's a spirit led decision mm-hmm. versus a, yeah. a a man's desire mm-hmm. or intention leading that. Yeah. Hundred percent. So a quick summary, God is the one at work. We need to be thinking about the things he thinks about and looking at the people around us that he's desiring to be ministered to and to be pulled into the kingdom Mm. instead of focusing on our own selfish ambitions. What sometimes happens is we become anxious, but he says, don't be anxious. And sometimes we start to grumble, but he actually says, rejoice. Mm. He says, come to me in prayer and supplication, be thankful and grateful. So as we're doing this work, we we are given this guideline of, of how to respond and how to act. Mm. Now, the problem is, is that sometimes we, we just lose the mark. We take our eyes off of, of, of him. Yeah. 
I think that's a lot of times what happens is that we've just we our eyes aren't fixed on 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 Jesus and through those times. And it's hard work sometimes. It is. And so he calls us to endurance. He calls us to perseverance, but he walks with us. And like we mentioned earlier, he he's doing this work. He's going to complete this work. So what's the ultimate goal or result of the work? Like, what? Why, why do we labor? You know, the enemy's going to come and say, you're not good enough. But, but we're laboring for kingdom work. For why? his glory. We're doing it for his glory. What does Philippians say about why we do this? So we're in chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So not only are we doing it for God's glory, we're doing this because we are his people. And, and someday in the future, after we endure, we, mm. we get to be with him forever. Mm. <laughs> we get to shed the, the old life. We get to shed the, the physical. And we get to completely embrace the eternal spiritual. Which is going to be the most wonderful day ever. <laughs> It'll be pretty awesome. Yeah. Because workouts the next day hurt. <laughs> and... uh you know, our bodies will be made new, a glorious body. It's it's hard to comprehend, but it's so exciting to think about being in His kingdom forever, not worrying about the the fleshly tension that we have to battle right now. That's a good good way to put it. It'll be resolved. Mm-hmm. We'll be at peace. You know, we've we've talked about God being primary worker in all of this. A fear I have as we as we finish up this podcast is somebody might be going, well, you know, Nathan, if God is, is doing the work in me, doesn't that mean I can just kind of sit back mm-hmm. and, and, and air quotes relax? And, and my interpretation of that is be lazy. Doesn't that mean that it doesn't matter what I do? Mm-hmm. If God's at work and he's going to be in control of all things, what am I really doing and Am I really involved? And, mm-hmm. and for me, the answer is definitely yes. Yeah, me, yeah, I agree. I believe that as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to call each other to a level of excellence. And, and I want to clarify, we do not labor, we do not do good things to be made right with God. But because God has made us right, mm-hmm. we are capable of doing good things, great things in His strength and His power. And because he has changed us and is doing that work, now we want to glorify him and worship him by by doing those good works. It's not the works that saves us, but it's salvation that does that work, allows us to be creatures of new work. It's like our gratitude of... I like that. It's our gratitude of what Christ has done in us, you know, that we want to please him. You know, it's like if, if a king is a is over this kingdom, which Jesus is a king, um, and we are part of his kingdom, the people under him want to please the king. There's this other lie. What if we're not quite there yet? Hmm. What if we can't be as excellent? What What if Satan slides in with another lie of, Oh, he will. Hey, you're, you're still not good enough. I'm just thinking of brothers and sisters right now who are, who are trying hard for the Lord, and they feel like they're failing hmm. and falling. 
the enemy's coming at you because he wants to steal your joy. Mm. He wants to rob you of the rejoicing. He wants to keep you in that anxious state. And that's not what Jesus is about. Yeah, and I, I just I think about the verse that we shared a few podcasts ago about that he comes to still kill and destroy. And so when you talk about how he wants to rob us of of that joy, mm. he wants to steal it away from us and not he doesn't want us to live in the joy of the Lord. Hey, let's finish off uh, in Philippians and just a, a call to excellence yeah. that, that we do because of the work God is doing in and through us. Mm-hmm. Again, this is his work in and through us. All right, Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I think God's asking us to do just things. He's asking us and enabling us to do pure things. Things that are lovely. Isn't isn't that a wonderful descriptor? It's it's not that I'm just trudging around working, but I'm doing it for lovely reasons. That, that, that's pretty remarkable. Mm. Things that are commendable. And, and he's equipping us and he's working in and through us, not just to like skate by, but for his glory to do remarkable things, excellent things. I praise God that he's not a God of substandard quality, mm. but he's the God of excellence. Yeah. And he is the one that's doing those things in my life. Yeah, and he wants us to think on those things. I use this verse for our kiddos at night. I try to pray it over them that, that those are the things that they would think about even as they go to sleep. As we think of, of our school week, as we mm. think of our work week, again, I think God is is equipping us and calling us to a level of excellence that we can't do on our own, that, mm-hmm. but that we can do within his power and his strength. But he's there with us. He's walking along beside us. And really what I think he wants for us is to put up his shield that blocks the lies. As the fiery darts come in, as we spent time with our Lord, he's like, I will protect you, Nathan. I will protect you, Nina. Mm-hmm. I will protect your household. I will protect your friends and their families. And, and God wants to, to be that for us. Whereas the enemy comes in and goes, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. Mm. God says, I love you. You are my child. Sit in my presence. I have redeemed you. All those wonderful things. <laughs> Do you have a final word for for a friend or, or a listener who's who's struggling with this lie that that the enemy attacks us with. I think we're all susceptible to to believing that lie as we we shared in our stories in the beginning. I guess I can't go back to this enough is that if we will fill our hearts and minds with God's truth, we are going to be able to repel those fiery darts that we were just talking about so much easier. And, and, and God's going to show us, hey, I've this is who I've made you to be. This is the work I'm doing in you. And just to have that reminder of God's doing this work, and then He has good things planned for us. We just have to keep our eyes fixed on him. And I'm not saying that that's an easy an easy job or an or easy thing to do each day. Sometimes it's minute by minute that we're needing to fix our eyes on him, but that truth will set us free mm. and we we've got to let truth seep into our our hearts and minds and combat the the enemy that way. Hey friend, thank you for listening. 
it is our hope and our desire that we will all build faithful families, mm. that we will let uh, the God of peace, the God who deserves all glory and honor to be our focus, and that when the enemy comes and, and tries to feed the lie, you're not good enough, we'll remember who we are in Christ. Yeah. So uh, thank you for listening, and a uh, blessing to you and your family. All right. Thank you, friends. And, and this verse just reminds me that, okay, it, it, it's also about how how our work is for the benefit kept talking do you have anything to say well i i did but i lost it with that airplane thing um there was something i was thinking oh i know we're still recording go ahead oh <laughs> something else i was thinking is that we also have have the world we we have the world <coughs> sorry we are the world <laughs> <coughs> go ahead <laughs> I'm going to do that again because I could hear your stomach growl. <laughs> I'm so sorry.